0: thank you for traveling with amex platinum to your right you'll see oceanside relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property when booked through amex travel you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m late checkout that's the powerful backing of american express terms apply learn more at americanexpress.com slash with amex
1: warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical black buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco if you're an adult age 21 and older around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches.
2: The Volume.
1: Just a reminder, you can catch me recording this podcast live on Amp. Amp is a new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at John Middlecoff to get notified when I go live. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are my people doing? Thursday night, after the 49ers beat the Giants to go to 3-0, and and well establishing themselves right there with the Cowboys as probably the best team in the NFL, the Giants struggling at 1-2 and two with a tough stretch of football actually coming up, we will dive into. Uh, could get ugly before it gets better, I'll tell you that much. With the New York football giants, but, uh, you know, semi entertaining football game that we will dive into as well as the Dallas Cowboys have a devastating injury at practice today. We will talk about that and, uh, a certain coach that if they lose come Sunday might be fired by Monday. And I think many of you probably know who that is, but talk about must win in late September, the charges, better figure out a way to beat the Vikings come uh, Sunday morning. So we will talk about that as well as my man Stucky. Talk a little gambling, picks for this weekend, college football, incredible slate, probably better than the NFL. So we talk about uh, some of the bigger college football games and the lines as well as his favorite plays come Sunday. You want to get your gamble on. I was kicking myself last week when I didn't hammer, hammer the Florida Gators over Tennessee and they cruise to a victory. Stucky knows what he's talking about when it comes to college football and the NFL. Uh, he's 5-3 and three right now, so my, my, man's, my man's starting strong. So you want to make some money, listen to Stucky. Let's rock and roll, baby. Before we dive into the game, because I got some takes on the game, do you want to go to a game, an NFL game, a college game? You want to go see primetime? Do, do you live somewhere on the West Coast? Do you want to see Deion Sanders? Well, here's what you do. You grab your smartphone and you download this app. The app goes by game time. They happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you do it, you search the game, the event, the concert, the comedy show you want to attend. They got interactive uh, maps of whatever venue you are attending. And you can tell by the prices, and you get a pair of tickets. And when you do, when you first sign up, you use the promo code. Happens to be the greatest name ever uttered, J-O-H-N, promo code John. And you get $20 off your first pair of tickets. Cannot recommend them enough. I've used them for everything, concerts, games. Hell, I would have gone to see Caleb Williams this week if I wasn't going to a wedding on Saturday. So if you want to take a loved one to a game, use the Game Time app, promo code John, $20 off. Let's dive into Thursday Night Football. And uh, I've been born and raised in Northern California. Dad was a diehard Niner fan. The overwhelming majority of people growing up where I grew up, 49er land. They are the equivalent of the Yankees where I'm from. And, you know, I, I came into my own as a sports fan in the early 90s. I, I missed Joe Montana, though I ran into him one time on the street. And if you ever run into a super famous person on the street and you know about their kids, bring up their kids, they'll talk to you. Joe's kid at the time was playing at Washington, gave me a weird look when I said something. And then I said, how's your son doing? He started BSing with me for like 15 minutes. It was a sneaky highlight of my life. But I don't remember Joe Montana. I, I grew up on Steve Young. And I I say to this day, the best team I've ever seen, at least that I was definitely rooting for any sport, beside maybe the Durant-Curry Warriors, was the 94-49ers. And, you know, speaking of Deion Sanders, they signed him for the one season, and they dominated. They had, like, 15 Pro Bowlers. I mean, I think legitimately they had 12 Pro Bowlers. They had, like, 10 or 11 All-Pro's. They had Deion Sanders in the peak of his powers as well as Steve Young, who won the MVP, and they cruised at the Super Bowl. They they finally beat the Cowboys. That's the best team start to finish I've ever seen, especially with the 49ers. And I've been watching this team very, very closely since I got out of the league in 2012-2013 range, right when Jim Harbaugh took over. And I I think this is the best iteration of the modern-day 49ers, right? Clearly— the only question mark this team has, Christian McCaffrey, is freaking incredible. Their defense is awesome. Debo Samuel is probably one of the most unique players we've ever seen. George Kittle is still really good. Brandon Aiyuk didn't even play tonight. Eventually, Brandon Aiyuk going to get a $100 million contract. They have seventh-round wide receivers in Jawan Jennings and Ronnie Bell, who are good. They have Trent Williams, who's a first-ballot Hall of Famer at left tackle. This roster is stupid loaded. They have one question mark, and it's the quarterback. And listen, he's going to get nitpicked because that's the only thing you can nitpick, right? You're not going to be like, well, you know, uh, Nick Bosa could be a little quicker. Fred Warner, his angles as a tackler could be a little better. No, the only thing you have to question is Brock Purdy, who last time I checked does not lose when he starts and finishes the game. Obviously, the Eagle game is the only time that he's ever started that the team has lost. So they are still in the position. Right, A little like Jimmy Garoppolo, though Brock Purdy is much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And listen, Brock Purdy's not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, but neither was Jimmy. And they were rattling off NFC championship games every single year in 2021, 2022. And then they went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. This guy's better. Now, if you watch tonight, he does leave some things to be desired. And to win in this conference... There are three teams that are on a completely different level than anyone else, and I think we would all acknowledge if there is not some combination of Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers in the NFC Championship, something fucking nuts has happened. Like, that feels inevitable. It would take, like, 17 injuries for that not to happen. Hell, the New York Giants, who, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, I was banging the drum. I'm like, I think they're going to be better this year. (laughs) I mean, we saw the Cowboys and 49ers play them. Uh, the score was a lot to a little when you combine the two. And I would expect the same thing with the Eagles. I thought the talent was going to be a little closer. It's not. They're on a completely different level. And when the dust settles, the Giants still probably win eight, nine games or competing for a wild card spot. And they're not that much different than the majority of these wild card teams. But I think when you look at the 49ers, it's just going to come down to Brock Purdy. And we're going to get to see in a couple weeks when they play the Dallas Cowboys what it looks like. Listen, it was a struggle last year. I've said it over and over. It's why I have a lot of respect for the Dallas Cowboys because they came into that game in at Levi Stadium ready to win it defensively. They had a championship defense. Just like last year, the 49ers didn't go to the Super Bowl. They had a championship defense. It comes down to your offense, right? And in that Cowboy game, Dak threw two picks, ruined them. In the Niner game against the Eagles, Brock Purdy ripped his uh, elbow, and it's over. It's all going to come down to which quarterback I don't think even plays the best, plays the most efficient between Brock, Jalen, and Dak. If you're not throwing picks, you're going to win the majority of your games, right? The Cowboys win that game against the 49ers if, if Dak doesn't turn the ball over. You see tonight Purdy, who struggles at times, who looks like relative to like top quarterbacks. I think the expectations, because the team is so high, but he doesn't turn the ball over. So if you're not going to throw interceptions, like I'm looking at a stat line, I actually think a stat line, looks a little bit better than his game. And a lot has to do with their personnel. Because I think the way we judge the 49ers is their team is so well-balanced, and it's true. But you'd go, well, the Eagles have the best two wide receivers, or the Dolphins have the best two wide receivers. Because you would say Debo and Ayuk aren't as good as that crew. But that's not how I look at it. Because really, McCaffrey and Debo is the crew. And I would put McCaffrey and Debo against anybody. Like, they can go with A.J. and Devontae Smith waddle and hill because while McCaffrey's a running back, he can basically at any moment flex out and play slot corner. And I think it's fair to say now with Nick Chubb's, you know, it's sad, but his knee, you know, chopped in half. McCaffrey's the best running back currently in the NFL. And Debo is really unlike any player, right? It's just, he's not a normal player. He's basically a hybrid running back, wide receiver who catches, I mean, half his catches are coming on wide receiver screens like it's college, but he takes like a third of them, 40 yards. And then he can take a slant, he can break like six tackles, do a 360 around a guy. He's just not a normal player, right? And he was in a crew of guys like two years ago when they all wanted contracts. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Debo Samuel all got paid. A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf are true outside wide receivers. Debo's a hybrid right? And Christian kind of is too. And they also have George Kittle. They have Brandon Ayuk. Their offense is just elite. And I was thinking about it today. And listen, I'm no Bill Belichick historian. And trading in the NFL has never been like the NBA or Major League Baseball, where star players have consistently been traded in season. It's happened forever in my life in baseball, right? A CC Sabathia, a Verlander, whoever, get traded in the middle of the season. Either their team knows they can't resign the guy or they just get the prospects or whatever. It really happened probably in the last half decade that has been very consistent. Quote-unquote star players get traded in the middle of the season. That I can remember Vaughn Miller because of the outcome, you could argue is arguably one of the best trades of all time. They traded for a pass rusher. I think they gave a second and a third. They, you know, Broncos ate a bunch of money and he had a sack week 17 in every playoff game and they won the Super Bowl. But the difference of him and Christian McCaffrey, who tonight ties a 49er record for 12 straight games with a touchdown, the guy that he tied happens to go by the name Jerry Rice. (laughs) So McCaffrey as a 49er has been a Hall of Fame level player. I mean, he just has. And everyone would agree. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but as a 49er, it doesn't get any more elite than he's been. And the difference between the Von Miller trade, which did net them a Super Bowl. Von Miller, when the season ended, went to Buffalo because they offered him 50 plus million dollars guaranteed. Christian McCaffrey is not only was under contract for several years. And listen, Kyle Shanahan, who's got on record his favorite player as a kid, was Christian McCaffrey's dad. Like Christian McCaffrey, whenever he does come up for free agency, we can talk shit all we want. And trust me, I'm guilty of this. Guilty is probably the wrong word. I feel good about the evidence when I, I, I don't even want to say talk down, but support teams for not giving big contracts to running backs. That will not be the case with Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying it'll be the right move in a couple of years. Whenever he pays them, he will pay them. Christian McCaffrey, if he's healthy, is not going anywhere. Kyle Shanahan, if Christian McCaffrey was crack, Kyle Shanahan would be a crack addict. I texted about five people that tonight. Because Kyle said last week, he didn't even realize McCaffrey never came out of the game. Now, he made a conscious effort tonight to rotate other backs in. That guy's addicted to Christian McCaffrey, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I since I've got it out in the league, I, I just have opinions on players, but I watch a ton of college football. And when I you know say something about a guy, for the most part, I, I've watched them play a ton of games. And I watched Christian McCaffrey's college career, and I underestimated how good he was going to be as a running back. I thought, you know, I think he'll inevitably be in kind of transition to be more like an Edelman Welker, like an elite slot receiver than a true between-the-tackle running back. And one thing, and listen, I've talked to this guy several times about this. He went on record the moment he was coming out, and he pounded the table forever. And it was David Shaw, who has an NFL background, who's been around, you know, pro-style football players for decades – said, I think people underestimate how good McCaffrey is as a true between-the-tackles running back. And he was right. I thought about it tonight. I don't think the Panthers, because I thought they were kind of crazy. Wait, you're going to take this guy at eight? You're going to draft this guy in the top ten? And again, I didn't think he was like a fourth-round pick, but I thought like, you know, mid-twenties or something. And they took him at eight. Not that it was that controversial, but it was definitely a pretty bold pick. They nailed it. Now, it didn't totally work out for them because of injuries and Cam fell off a cliff. But that's, a t- that's you know, an elite player. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame-level talent. And he's come to the 49ers, and he's completely changed them. Like, they were damn good without him. They're elite with him. Because their weapons, like, they're missing Brandon Ayuk tonight. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Don't even notice. And he's not just some random player, right? Him and Debo are an unstoppable combo. And you factor in George Kittle, and then you factor in how good their defense is. And let's face it, I don't blame, and I supported Bosa for holding out right? Though I I do think hold ins can be more effective. But listen, when you're talking the amount of money, these guys are talking your, your business tactics, you got to do what you got to do. But it was pretty clear, like early this season, you know, there, there's a clear hierarchy, like in quarterbacks of the elite guys, it's Parsons, it's Miles Garrett, it's TJ Watt, it's Nick Bosa, like those guys on any given game could have like five sacks that they could just not only take over the game, they could go, is that like the best player I've ever seen? And early on in this season, Micah Parsons looks like LT from the mid eighties. TJ Watt looks like JJ Watt in his prime. And Nick through the first couple games didn't look that great. And now you're starting to see him just like, you're starting to see it a little bit, which is understandable, right? You miss that much time in training camp. I don't care what you're doing on your own in the gym. You can't replicate football. You can take BP against Pedro Martinez. You can play five on five with nine other NBA guys. You can't play football without being with the football team. And that's what's scary about this 49er team is within a month, Nick Bosa is going to look like those other guys. It might not even be in a week. It might be mid to late October, but it's coming. So they have one of the best players in the league that hasn't really looked like himself, which makes sense because he wasn't around till week one. So that's coming on. I think the Niners, um, listen, The NFC has a bunch of undefeated teams. Washington, Atlanta, I I think we all know. This thing's a three-horse race unless there's a catastrophic injury with one of the teams. And uh, I can't wait to watch them all play each other. The Niners and the Cowboys in a couple weeks buckle up. (laughs) We're back with another week of football. And DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action. With great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 Instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with the code John, J-O-H-N. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. With code John, J-O-H-N, the crown is yours. I would say the Giants were my NFC version of the Steelers. I was very bullish on them. I thought coming into the season, they would be better than they were last year. There'd be more substance behind it. And though their record might look pretty similar, nine, 10 wins at most, they would be a better team. And they would be closer in their division where they just, there was a gap last year with the Cowboys and the Eagles. That's clearly not the case. Uh, and listen, Daniel Jones, Andrew Brandt, who worked for the Packers for a while, tweeted something out tonight that Purdy's making like 780K and Daniel Jones is making 46 million. Uh, they're paying them a lot of money. And the expectations when you get paid a lot of money. Are really, really high, especially when the expectations for your team given your previous year are also high. So it was going to be the pressures, no joke in New York. Listen, I, I think the Northeast, Philly, New York, Boston, th- those are intense places to play, especially NFL football when your team is viewed as a playoff team because it's not like you get nitpicked, like you're held to a high standard and you feel that watching them play tonight, right? Where they were 10 point underdogs. And listen, when the season started, even if you picked them to win ten games, you would have circled this one as an L. They just played at Arizona. They stayed out here on the West Coast. I think the problem though is wasn't tonight. It's the next three games. They're one and two. They got destroyed by the Cowboys. They had an incredible comeback to not be zero and three. They play Seattle in ten days. And listen, if you watch Seattle week one, you'd be like, oh, maybe Seattle's coming back to earth. I watched them last week against Detroit. I love them this week against Carolina. That's going to be hard. And the reason it's going to be difficult is their defense is nowhere near the Cowboys or the Niners. That offense is legit, man. From Kenneth Walker to to the first-round pick from Ohio State, Jackson Smith, and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like, they can score. And they're going to get to 25-plus points. And my thing with the Giants right now, Saquon, who knows? He's obviously out this week. He's probably going to be out next week to take a miracle, maybe miss a week after that. Where are they getting their points from? Darren Waller is a fucking baller in theory, right? You're like, God, this guy is 6'6", and this is kind of why I bought in the Giants. He fooled me again. It's like, you know, he he's one of the quicker players at his position in the league. Might be the fastest, him and Kyle Pitts. He could run all the routes, great ball skills. And then he's always injured. You know, he, he just always is. It was like that with the Raiders. After his first couple of years and he got and got paid, he was kind of a show of himself. And I wanted to be sweet because he's a fun player to watch, but he's just not that dependable. So if they don't beat Seattle, which I think is going to be very hard. And when the dust settles, assuming Seattle doesn't have a bad injury this week, I think that line is probably like a pick em. Then they go at Miami, at Buffalo. So it is going to be very, very difficult. The Giants could play well in two out of three of those games and be one and five. And let's face it, I don't care who you are, unless you're like the 49ers or the Cowboys, it's hard to get 9-10 wins starting one and five. So I, I think the Giants have major, major issues. They already have impact injuries with star impact players Big-time tackle out, start running back out. They had players go down the night, you know, struggling to get off the field. And then the pressure just grows and grows and grows on Daniel Jones. And listen, is he better than probably people talked about before last season even started? Yeah. If Daniel Jones played for Kyle Shanahan the last couple years, would we even be discussing him like we do? Probably not. But he plays on the Giants. And they gave him $45 million a year after 15 touchdowns and it's win lost stat doesn't directly correlate with the quarterback, right? It's like, they're not a tennis player or a golfer, but most good quarterbacks win a lot of games. And if you're going to one in five, it's gotta be a little reflection of the quarterback. And I'm not some anti Daniel Jones guy, but I think this thing could get ugly just looking at their schedule. So Niners, I don't even want to say roll. They actually kind of struggled tonight at times, but Relative for them, they, they win by multiple touchdowns. It looks like they're cruising to a 13-14 win season. And they're at the point now, and I think the Cowboys are in this, and the Eagles are, are as well, where they're just going to be judged on the times when they play each other. And we get that here in a couple weeks. And the Giants, I think they're already fighting for their playoff lives in week four. It's crazy how fast things happen in the NFL when you start slow. Because you start slow, and your schedule, all of a sudden, you realize you play two sweet teams. You're like, we better fucking win this game or adios to our season. The other news of the day that is just that is just beyond shitty. Uh, listen, guys get hurt in football. And I say this all the time, right? You can get hurt in football in April training on your own. Like you, you can pull an Achilles at the gym with your trainer, let alone at OTAs in a non-contact injury, let alone in training camp when the pads come on, and obviously in the games in the regular season. But I think once the regular season starts, losing a star player in practice, there's nothing worse. There really isn't. Because at least during the game, (laughs) like the guy, I I don't know. I I don't even know how to describe it. I I personally think, and when I was in Philadelphia, we signed Namdi Asamoa, who was terrible. But I remember he got hurt in practice and everyone thought he blew out his knee, which looking back would not have actually mattered to anything. But at the time, it's like, this guy just blew out his knee in practice. And it doesn't happen that often. Remember a couple years ago, I think Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in practice and Trayvon Diggs today with the Cowboys tore his ACL in practice. I think their center got hurt as well. But Diggs is clearly out for the season. And, you know, it's well documented how many plays the guy has made since he came in the league. I think he has 18 picks. I saw a stat today on uh, PFF so far this season. He's, you know, he's he's been awesome. Now, granted, they they've dominated two games against the Giants and the Jets, but... That sucks, and that hurts. Uh, I I don't think it derails their chances to be a NFC champion or to be a Super Bowl contender, but that is a big blow. And, you know, every team, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys specifically, have a core group of, they have more of them than everyone else. You know, 8 to 10, like, easily could be legit pro bowlers. Not the fake pro bowl, not not like Tyler Huntley pro bowl, because some dude's in Maui with this family. Like, no, I went to the pro bowl because I'm the, one of the best players at my position and the Cowboys, Niners and Eagles have a lot of them. And when you lose guys like that with torn packs, torn ACLs, whatever for the season, it's one thing to roll. It's guys get hurt, right? Lane Johnson got hurt last year. I hurt right now. It, it happens. It's another thing to lose the guys. Like he's not coming back. And a guy like that, who's just such a playmaker. And I know I, it was, I think two years ago, they just paid him a bunch of money. I think they gave him $40 million guaranteed. He was well worth it. I, I, I'm a big believer at corner and playmakers, right? I Not everyone's going to be Deion Sanders or Darrell Rivas. They're going to be like, oh, they're just going to shut the guy down for 60 minutes. That's not most guys. M- most guys, even the good players, give up plays. Remember a couple years ago, I was like, well, he gives up a lot of plays. Like He also has seven turnovers, right? He has eight picks, right? <laughs> Four of them are pick sixes. Like I live with playmakers. I think the same thing with quarterbacks. It's like, well, he has 11 interceptions on the year. Well, he also has 40 touchdown passes. So I will take the good if there's a little bad. And Diggs brought a lot of good. And I do think there's something, there'll be a rallying cry and they'll be fine. I mean, I, who they play? They play the Cardinals this week. But that that hurts. And I, I can't even imagine that vibe at practice. I think Dak Prescott told, like, Ed Werder before the news became official, like, we're just, we're praying for him. Like, they, they know. And sometimes, remember it happened to Kelsey a couple weeks ago, goes down in practice, and by the next day, Schefter had been right. Had been tweeting like they had feared that it might be a season-ending injury. No one's sleeping well. This one happened pretty fast, and they had the news. And this this hurts. It, it really does. And uh, listen, I, a lot of people love to hate the Cowboys and always push back. They haven't made the NFC Championship in 25 years. And I, facts are the facts. But this team... And I even thought last year is a fun watch. Like, if you like football, and I grew up hating the Cowboys, I'm kind of indifferent now. Like, I'm sorry, Mike McCarthy's their head coach. Like, Micah Parsons one of my favorite players. Like, I, I, I find Jerry Jones entertaining. But I get if you're an Eagles fan. Even most Niner fans I know are kind of don't care. Actually, the Packers kind of became the Niners' rival. I, I totally understand it with the Eagles and the Giants, but... I I do think this Cowboy uh, team, if you are a fan of football, is an enjoyable watch. They have an old-school vibe to them. They fucking destroy people when they tackle them. And they make a ton of plays on defense. And call me a sap for like 1990 and 1980 football, but I I still enjoy watching defense. I don't want to watch every single game be 38 to 34. And losing a guy like this is just hard to come back for. And, And one other thing for Sunday... The Chargers play the Vikings, and not in a million years, and I've said this the last two seasons, I said, listen, I, 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 I'm i not going to pick this team to win the division, though they have the capability because of their head coach. But I'm never going to act just because I think their head coach is terrible and a complete phony and a fraud that they're going to win four games. I, I understand the way the sport works. Their quarterback's too good. The talent around on defense as well is too good. This team can just walk to 10, 11 wins. And two years ago, they lost to the Raiders on week 17, where they should have won that game. And then last year, obviously they made the playoffs and blew a terrible second half lead to Jacksonville, but not in a million years when I said, yeah, the chargers aren't going to make the playoffs and not even just not make the playoffs, but it's just like a six win team. And it shows you the impact of a head coach. And I'll talk about it with Stucky. I talked about it. I think last week, if you could flip flop the two coaches, Mike Vrabel and Brandon Staley, one just on the entire season. I think a lot of people would pick the Chargers, especially the Chiefs, are just kind of up and down this season to win the division. Like they, they'd win 13 games, and the Chiefs would win 12. Instead, the Chiefs are going to roll to the AFC West and the Titans, who, listen, God love them, and I kind of wrote them off. They're just going to be around. Why? They have a superstar head coach. And the Chargers aren't just 0 2. I think if they were to lose this week, which is definitely on the table, because anytime Brandon Staley is your head coach, you could play the 85 Bears or you could play the Hugh Jackson Browns. You might lose. And I think if they lose and they go 0-3 to the Minnesota Vikings, too, it'd be one thing. It's like, hey, you're playing the Chiefs in Kansas City. You're playing Minnesota, who is 0-2. But also, it feels like they're destined to not be that good this year. I think he gets fired by Monday and I think you have to fire them by Monday because, one, most 0-3 teams, and a lot of these stats now, 0-2, 0-3 teams, we have seven teams now each conference in the playoffs. So the old stats you almost have to throw out the window, and we've only been doing this for, what, two years? We haven't been doing this very long. Yeah, two years because two years ago it was Rams. We've had, we only had the Monday Night Football game two years in a row. Cowboys, Tampa, and the Rams, Arizona Cardinals. So the the stats with that, like, I think we have to need a larger sample size. Maybe in 10 years we go, hey, if you go 0-3, you're this likely to make the 17 playoff. I don't think you're dead when you have a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow. But you don't need to be some Harvard mathematician to know it is a major, major uphill battle. The other thing is, if you're the Chargers and you just invested all this money, and listen, you know where I stand on the owner. You're not going to pay that guy that much money without someone saying to him, we can't go continually year after year with an average coach. Eventually, we're going to have to cut someone a check. What's the point of any of this? So you would have to sniff around to the Jim Harbaugh's, to whoever, whoever the top coaching candidates that would be very expensive, right? Sean Payton would have been that last year. Wouldn't this be a great opportunity to give Kellen Moore, who just a couple years ago was viewed as this star offensive coordinator who was going to be a head coach, was turning him down, stayed with Jerry, got paid a bunch of money, basically give him a 14-game sample size, give him a 14-game interview process. So if you tell me right now the Chargers lose to the Vikings, which sounds crazy even saying out loud, the Chargers with Justin Herbert or Owen 3, with Brandon Staley on the table, I think he loses his job on Monday. And I think if you're Dean Spanos and Chargers you know ownership, leadership, you wouldn't have a choice. You're paying too many people too much money, you have too much talent on your team. You would have to make a change. I think this Sunday is must win for Brandon Staley to have an office in the facility come Monday. OK, let's dive in to something we like to call the bold take of the week. You look at the NFL slate. you know, I'm not going to pick the Cardinals to beat the Cowboys. I'm not even going to pick, as I just talked about, the Chargers to lose, though I would find that interesting. I think Nick Saban's in major trouble. There have been rumblings this year about his team as a shell of itself. I think they're out of the, the top 10 this early and just in a season uh, for the first time in like eight or nine years. Their quarterback position is in shambles. Lane Kiffin doesn't just know Nick Saban. He knows him well. He's played now in the same conference with him for a couple years at Ole Miss. He coached for them. And let's face it, this Alabama dynasty, which is a legit dynasty, right, is leaking oil. Now, it's different because players graduate and they leave. We've seen it with the Patriots, right? Patriots still don't suck, but they're nowhere near what they once were. And if they were a college team, they would have been like that team that was always ranked three or four or one, for 20 straight years, and now they're not sniffing the top 25. Not quite Nick Saban yet, but hosting Lane Kiffin this week, I think Lane not only beats him, I think within a couple days we start hearing, you know, Nick, the changing tides of NIL, of the transfer portal, he's 72, 71 years old. Could this be his last year? He's entertained it. Uh, Now, I understand you don't want to not go out on top, But what if there never is going out on top again for Nick Saban? I think Ole Miss beats Alabama this weekend, and we start talking, is this it for Nick Saban? Brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to win. Guinness, Drought Stout, imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New
0: York. Please drink responsibly. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue, while you prep your meats.
1: live here on amp wednesday morning afternoon lunchtime depending on where you may live hell it could be night if you're international uh here with my man philadelphia native live from Lexington, kentucky i think uh stucky what's up bro what's going on brother uh
2: by the way you have a who's who's having a wedding on the Best college football regular season weekend of the, of the year.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, my girlfriend's brother is is getting married mm-hmm. to his long, long time uh, girlfriend, I guess now fiance. Luckily, I think the wedding on Saturday doesn't start till five and the venue is also like this winery with TV. So I, I'm going to be able to uh, not miss much action as it looks. I guess Notre Dame, I, I don't plan on missing much, so uh, I, 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 I will find a way. I'm glad CU and Oregon is earlier in the day, so I'll be able to take that all in. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is a uh, I was really quick. You can find Stucky Action Network, Big Bets on Campus. Go subscribe to the podcast. He, I mean, just had it, it, everyone Sunbelt Billy. He's about to get fired and then Florida absolutely demolishes Tennessee. I, I was like, I should. I was thinking about it, and then I ended up going to Arizona State, Fresno State, who I also was going to put a bet on Fresno State. But I was like, you know, this game can get weird, and then they absolutely demolished them. So uh, yeah,
2: yeah, that was that. You saw one of the probably the worst football games that will be played this year. I think what did Arizona State use four quarterbacks at eight turnovers? Oh my uh, god, it was crazy. It was bad. Yeah,
1: I went to that as the uh, the epic Colorado game was going on, but. I guess let's start with college because this weekend, you know, from an NFL perspective, the amount of scouts that are going to be out and about at these games is going to be pretty outrageous. I mean, I, I was texting around with some buddies. I think some of these games are going to have close to like every team have representation at it given, you know, especially Notre Dame, Ohio state to really Sam. I mean, this is an enormous moment for Sam Hartman, uh, we don't know Shador. I think, you know, that I don't know if you saw that video that went viral. It looked like they were at the Bronco game where Dion's like, you ain't you ain't coming out. You're coming back. But, you know, Bo Nix is a guy. I mean, you're an SEC country who, you know, most people had kind of written off. He's definitely resurrected his career. And there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game for sure. And while I don't know if there's a quarterback in the game, I guess Jackson Dart, but Ole Miss and, and Bamba's got to have a lot of pro prospects at other positions. So, yeah, I mean, college football doesn't get much better than this week because the NFL slates, you know, I'd, I'd call it average.
2: <laughs> yep, a lot of big spreads. There's a couple mismatches out there, but the yeah, NFL Sunday never disappoints. But yeah, this is uh, especially after last Saturday, which is very underwhelming college football. This has this has all the juice. Yeah, I mean, you have a Florida State Clemson, which will have, you know, obviously ACC, but national title, college football playoff implications. Uh, the list just goes on and on.
1: Okay, let's start you know, I'm sure you have a stat, but it feels like Notre Dame over the last decade of the of the uh, Brian Kelly era into you know last year doesn't I don't totally count it, but now that they have a quarterback, they just haven't won many of these games. Obviously in the playoffs, and definitely back when they you know went to the national championship against Alabama. I like them a lot in this spot. I mean, they're getting three points at home. I don't know about you, but that's, I mean, Saturday and Sunday probably my favorite bet of the week, and I, I think Notre Dame, I think has a chance to be really, really good. And I don't know, compete to win the national championship. Like, can they beat Georgia? But I, I definitely think they can beat Ohio State this week, and you're getting points at home. That place is going to be bananas. I, I, I like Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I will be curious to see the how many Ohio State fans show up. They travel really well, so and we'll be able to see the the gold versus the red in in the crowd. Uh, a couple of friends of mine who are Ohio State fans have already told me that they're going. So that that's one thing that I'm interested in seeing. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, these two teams played last year in the first game of the year. And, oh, you know, I actually kept it close. They lost 21 to 10. It was an oh. They didn't have a quarterback. They're one of their quarterbacks. They played two quarterbacks last year. One of their quarterbacks got, got benched playing for Alabama last week. He threw for 30 yards in the first half against South Florida. Their other one. Drew Pine, you went and saw last week at Arizona State, one of the four quarterbacks who can't complete a pass. So they were at a massive disadvantage from a quarterback perspective because Ohio State then had CJ Stroud. So you're talking number two overall pick and two guys who couldn't throw a birthday party. So, uh, you know, now you look at it and Notre Dame has the better all around quarterback. I'm not a Kyle McCord guy. He could prove me wrong. Like last week, yeah, he went off. He's got the best receivers in the best receiver room in the country. But Western Kentucky's defense is way down. They gave up 400 yards rushing to South Florida. They lost a bunch of really good players from last year's team. They're going to get carved up by any good offense. Just a complete talent mismatch. And by the way, the Ohio State offense looked very underwhelming against Youngstown State and in Indiana before that. So, yeah, I mean, I have the home dog here with the better all-around quarterback, the experienced quarterback going up against, you know, a, a kid who's getting his first dose of a real defense in a hostile environment. And if, look, the Ohio State receivers, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be ridiculous in the NFL. They're great, but Notre Dame has one of the best cornerback duos in college football in Morrison and Hart. And last year, they actually held Stroud in that passing attack in check. And that was Morrison's first ever start in college. And Hart was banged up, wasn't 100% healthy. So I think Ohio, from what I've seen, Ohio State's going to be able to get a push they have a really good offensive line outside of one guard spot, which is leaky. but they're going to be able to push up. up. So they're going to estimate company. We're going to run the ball a little bit. That's going to set up the Hartman deep shots, just something they didn't have last year. They couldn't throw it downfield at all. And uh, I think the Notre Dame defense will force McCord into some mistakes. Obviously, the receivers are going to make some plays. I think the defense is a little bit improved under Jim Knowles for Ohio State, but uh, this is a very veteran Notre Dame team that I think is ready for this test. And mainly it's because of the quarterback play. And they have the edge here against Ohio State, and not many times in recent history can you say that.
1: It's funny. Beside all the hoopla last week, everyone before that started had circled this little stretch for Colorado. Once they won those first couple games at Oregon, USC, you've seen that game next week against you know Caleb Williams is the Fox Morning Kickoff game, nine a.m., ten million people just watched last week. Dion is just a you know a, a rocket ship of interest right now. This line's weird, right? Not even weird. It's just, it's enormous. I mean, it's three touchdowns on the road, which historically for us out West is probably the closest thing that you have to an SEC environment when that place is rocking. It's really loud. This has been one of the best programs, probably the most consistent. I mean, Utah's had a little run here, but over the last decade and a half, uh, beside that little stretch from Stanford, once Pete Carroll left. You know, this is, I, I, I don't really know. I, I This is probably stay away from me. It seems like a lot of points, but I, I've seen teams get in there. If Oregon's rolling, Bo Nix is on, they just might just have more NFL players top to bottom, especially on defense. But this is a fascinating matchup, and this is another one. If Shador's making sweet plays, I mean, we're going to start talking about this guy as if he came out this year, would he, you know, go right there with Drake May to be the number two pick? If he returns, I would say he would definitely be circled as the guy that would be the number one pick next year. So this is, this is a pretty big moment for him who's already had a bunch of really big moments.
2: Yeah, it's, look, what Deion is doing is amazing, um, and this just this momentum early in the season, and when Colorado's good, it's better for college football too, but just this momentum he's building right now, he already was going to attract so many top-end recruits and transfers, by the way, which is going to be massive. But now, after starting 3-0, the the interest is even going to be higher, but uh, I think they're up against it here. I-, I think this has Oregon 58 to 21 written all over it. Uh, something bad. I mean, look, if you look at what Colorado's done and, and Travis Hunter is not going to play, he's a, a big loss. One of the things is Colorado team. They have a pretty talented, you know, starting 11 outside of the offensive line is a, is a problem, especially going uh, into Eugene. And for what it's worth over the last 30 years, the most profitable home favorite in conference play is Oregon. And uh, to your point, and the offensive line is going to be a problem here. The defense is not that good. They have a couple stars like and Hunter and they, they make some plays, but uh, they, this Oregon offense is on another level. And the Colorado defense just isn't very good right now. If you look at what or, what Colorado has done, you know, they came out, They've obviously assembled a, Deion has assembled a much more talented roster than they had last year, where they were just pitiful. But they they got the benefit of coming out against TCU, and TCU had no idea what to expect from that offense, right? Like, they were just like, whoa, what, what is going on? And kind of just got shocked by it. And TCU scored a uh, will against the Colorado defense. The next week, they play Nebraska. And Nebraska it basically just fumbles the game away. I and mean, Colorado and Sanders did his thing. But, I mean, they, they were going up against someone who couldn't snap the ball. And then when he did, he was
1: quarterback. Back. Quarterback was a joke that game. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was
2: one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Then the next week, you play Colorado State team, who was just lost by 40 to Washington State a couple weeks before. And you can't stop them because um, the, the quarterback was decent enough. It was his first ever start. And they were just going up and down the field. I don't see how that won't happen here. Colorado will put up a fight. But the other thing is that Oregon and a spot like this, when you're laying a big number, the, the back door is always open, but like what, you know, Dan Lanning, the head coach for Oregon, he came out and like, had some, some words about, uh, Colorado leaving the pac 12. And I mean, even though they're leaving, to who knows all this politics stuff, he
1: wasn't wrong but, though. Yeah, when he was saying that before the Dion stuff, that Colorado had been
2: irrelevant. Agreed. Um, and no, I'm just saying everyone is going to just trash everyone yeah, and everyone's going to leave. No. But, um, I, I get what he's saying as well. But, and then, you know, Dion is out there. They're three and oh, and Dion likes to talk the talk. So some of these coaches in the pack 12, when they're going to get a chance to run it up a little bit, but for Colorado is still a little beatable. They're, they're going to do it. And this is like Bo Nick's Heisman season at all eyes on it. So I think he could have a huge game. I just don't think the Colorado offensive line can hold up. Sanders will be running for his life. And on the other side, I just don't see how this Colorado defense is going to get many stops. And the one thing I will say that I disagree with what I, I, Dion did it and he built up the momentum of the program, but I don't think he might, will do it in the future. Is that every game has been this massive like buildup, and and they played you know three teams that could have beat them, and every it's just this massive buildup of energy, and that's a lot. That's exhausting everything they've done. Meanwhile, you know, Oregon's beating teams by 50 and they put up 80 in their sleep on Portland State. But Colorado, these kids have gotten up and up and up. Like, it, how much they have in the tank? They don't have a lot of depth. And Oregon's going to put up a ton of points. So that could come back to bite them. You, you could see just the dam break in the second half.
1: I, I was texting with someone yesterday when I was uh, I was outside barbecuing and just, you know, like us degenerates thinking about college football. Colorado's bound to lose a game this year to like Arizona or Arizona state or Stanford, just because like you said, one, these are 19, 20 year old kids. That's why last week. Wasn't that weird? It's college football. Like Alabama sometimes gets pushed last year. Missouri pushed Georgia. Weird shit happens. Weird shit happens in football in general, but in college for sure. Cause we're human. Like they're bound to be like a 10 point favorite against one of these other PAC 12 teams coming up and they lose. Like that's classic. And they're also bound to do the opposite. Maybe they upset one of these games. Like maybe they beat USC in some crazy shootout. Cause wouldn't you say that on paper with the way they're built, they match up better against USC than they would Utah, Oregon with like NFL bodies everywhere on defense that might be able to neutralize their power offense.
2: Yeah. Utah is too physical and Oregon has like Oregon has a pass rush, which is going to be a big problem for Sanders and that offensive line which then they've been lacking that department, but yeah, USC that, that you can win that game in like a finesse, just complete shootout back. And what's forth. the, over, like,
1: what's the over under on that game going to be a hundred. Uh,
2: it I, it depends on what Colorado does this weekend, how much they give up and how much they score. Um, USC also <laughs> plays Arizona state. So they could put up a number. Um, it'll be, I, it could be high, high seventies um, for sure. I, I think the highest one I've ever seen highest total college football. I think got the, Eight high eighties before uh, some Big Twelve game back in the day.
1: Before we dive into the NFL, I my favorite game right there with Notre Dame. I think this week is is Washington State at home getting three points against Oregon State. Like to me, DJ Ungele, you know he's definitely been a little more under control, but he still kind of looks pretty robotic to me. Like he's not, he might have a better season on paper than last year, but it's not like he's some different player. And I think Washington State, like like you mentioned. Colorado State might be decent. Maybe they end up going six and six. They fucking destroyed them. Washington State was decent last year. Well, actually, it was pretty good, right? They almost, they easily could have beat Oregon if they wouldn't have pulled one of the craziest games out of their ass of all of 2022. Washington State might just be one of those teams that, like, has a chance to be in the Pac 12 championship in three or four weeks. You'll be looking up. You're like, damn, they are, you know, whatever, six and oh, seven and oh. I, I think they're really good. Obviously, Oregon State is too. Really good coach. But at home, I I think I've been to Wazoo. It's got a little, you know, I wouldn't say it's quite Eugene, but that place can get really rowdy when they're good. And I think they're good. I I
2: love them plus three this week. I think they've covered, they have the longest home cover streak on the Palouse in the country. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, the, the big matchup in this game is, Washington State in, came into the year. They wanted to install a new offense with Cam Ward, and they wanted to be more vertical and attack more downfield. And was there going to be growing pains? Obviously not. And, yeah, they exceeded expectations in week one. They did it again against Wisconsin, and Wisconsin was coming out trying to avenge a home loss against Washington State last year. So you knew they were coming into that game fired up. But the offenses looked great, and that's that, that's what this is going to come down to. It's like I, I agree with you on DJU. He's, he's going to be a lot better because that offense – one of the best offensive that has one of the best offensive lines in all of college football. They lean on their ground game and then it's just setting him up to, you know, play action off of the running game. He's got a great offensive line. So it's, everything's going to be a lot easier and simpler for him in that system that it's just all run first. I don't ask him to do too much. And, but Washington state with their downfield passing attack. Now the weakness on this Oregon state defense coming into the year was on the back end. They lost a lot of talent. In the secondary, and that could decide this game. I think I agree with you. I don't have a strong feel either way, but I think the winner of this game uh, is sneaky and, and just one of the teams that people aren't talking about that could just slide into the Pac-12 championship game.
1: Okay, let's dive into the National Football League. Last week, uh, you know, you, you nailed the Bills game. That was the easiest cover. The Denver Broncos. I would imagine you felt pretty good at halftime.
2: <laughs> so. Up 18, Sean Payton, who seven, was 72-0 and 0 with an 18-or-more-point lead in his career. Um, I, The defense is horrifying. I mean, the Broncos scored more points than I ever dreamed of in the first half. They're up 18. The defense is lost. Um, they Vance Joseph uh, replaced a really good defensive coordinator, and Ivaro is now in Carolina. Then, um, obviously, they had Fangio before then, and there's a huge drop-off. They're just blitzing uh, without any... Uh, rhyme or reason. Sam Howell, they basically came back. They just ran screens, and Denver never adjusted. Sam Howell went 8 of 8 for 138 yards on screens in the second half, and uh, they, yeah, the the defense has let Denver down. Surprisingly, the offense has actually been pretty good. Russ has looked a lot better and more play action, and yeah, the Denver secondary, they've won really good elite corner in Patrick Sertain, one corner who, I don't know if he might get cut this week, and then their safety situation, you get, they lost Stearns, who was supposed to be a big player this year for the season. Kareem Jackson gets thrown out for targeting. They bring in a rookie. He gets hurt. They got to move a slot back to safety. He gives up the what was the game-winning touchdown. I write it off, and then they get a Hail Mary. Bring me right back in, and then don't get the two-point conversion. Um, so, yeah, that was unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought the Denver defense would be better against Sam Howell than it was. They just didn't adjust. And then it was my own fault for trusting Zach Wilson. But I don't even put all the blame on him for that game. Everyone knew he's terrible. The defense didn't make any big plays. No, like they kind of got worked. What could have been a, a pick six? Yep. The defense was supposed to come in there and step up as one of the best units in the NFL. Sauce Gardner catches that pick six. Maybe it's a different story. And also the offensive game plan. Like it's you're going up against Michael Parsons at pass rush with Zach Wilson and a bad offensive line. Move him. Like roll him out. Give them simple reads, like do what they do with Daniel Jones. He, he was just tr- dropping back deer in the headlights, and once they got behind, there, there was never a chance. But that that Denver defense, uh, that Dallas defense, is excellent.
1: Okay, let's dive into your picks. Uh, this one surprised me a little bit. You, you, you like the Browns this weekend minus three against the Titans. Uh, I, I would imagine, you know, if you just pulled the average football fan they would just say the, the browns got major issues injuries left and right star running back out though I, I think the backup actually looked pretty good but their main issue is this quarterback right now does not you know look remotely close to what he once was you know there are rumors of he's got a burner account on twitter yep. responding to people i don't know if you saw that one but uh th- this is uh, this seems like a team that you know easily could have won that game it, it took a couple defensive scores kind of freaky defensive scores but they happened uh, it's not like the Steelers, you know, were lighting them up on, on offense. But I, I feel there's just a lot of negativity, and maybe you're going against that because the actual, the tangible evidence isn't as bad as I think the perception is.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the, Nick Shaw's one of the best backs in the NFL, I and mean, he he matters, but uh, him being out, it's like running backs rarely ever even impact the point spread. Uh, and the backup did look good. They also are going to sign Kareem Hunt today. And yeah, Watson hasn't looked great, specifically on his deep balls, which is what he was known for in the past. But I, I really like this this Browns team because of the defense. The defense was I thought was going to be one of the best, most improved defenses in the entire NFL. They brought in a new coordinator in Jim Schwartz last year. They just they were so disorganized. They beefed up the interior of the defensive line, added some dudes there, bringing Juan Thornhill to safety. You already have three really good corners. They were just running the wrong scheme. Well, so far this season, the defense, has, everyone's talking about the Dallas defense, rightfully so. The Browns defense has been even better statistically. They didn't face Zach Wilson. They have, they're on the season. They're allowing a 25% success rate, 25 and 27 in back-to-back weeks. For reference, last year, five total games were a defense allowed under 27%. A team hasn't sniffed the red zone against them. The Steelers didn't sniff the red zone last week. The the Bengals didn't sniff the red zone. Um, You know, the Steelers had two defensive touchdowns and a long uh, touchdown pass. That's it. This defense is really good. They're going up against the Titans' offensive line that is very questionable. Probably be without one of their, uh, their starting guard as well. And then on the back end, Tennessee's missing, potentially, a couple starters in the secondary. And I think Cleveland has enough juice, and they're going to come out fired up. This is like an emotion. Like you lose to the Steelers, okay? We're coming back home. They're, you know, they're, they've already said they're going to dedicate it to Nick Chubb, and this will be like an emotional response against a uh, you know a Tennessee team that just came off an overtime win at home. They played a couple of close games. I still I don't like what I've seen from Tannehill. Uh, the running game doesn't look like it's there. I'm just trusting this Browns defense at home. And, and now this this line was four and a half, five, probably would have passed. And then you're fading. I wouldn't have faded the dog God in Brable. But now that it's down to a three and I just need to win by a field goal or more, I'm taking the Browns. I don't think the market is really pricing in how much better this defense is. Could be one of the top three to four defenses in the entire NFL. Well,
1: because Brandon Staley takes so much oxygen, people aren't talking about Khalil Mack is just kind of a guy now. So th- there, when you watch them, Bosa's banged up. They, they just don't get that much pressure. I mean, yeah. they have two guys making yeah. a ton of money, right? I mean, both guys are make are twenty plus million dollar, but Joey's twenty five million dollar guys, and they don't look like the Browns' defensive line. And and like you said, th- you listen, Najee, clearly that was an overpick, but they made him look like a JV player last week. beside the one run where he kind of got lucky cutting it back. I mean, he he looked terrible. I mean, he looked like some teams would cut that guy. You know. And I, the Kelsey brothers, uh, I saw a clip on their podcast. They played him in the preseason and they're like, this team, and I think one of them, I think the Eagles joint practiced against them. And they're like this defensive line. They go too deep, which just freaks everywhere. Just remove Miles Garrett. They got other dudes. They were both really, really impressed with the line of scrimmage. And as we know, if you're great at the line of scrimmage, the Cowboys, the Niners, you can just kind of get in the mix. And basically the majority of the games you're going to play if that unit dominates.
2: Yeah. And you're playing against the quarterback. You can't move around. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a a really bad day for Tannehill. I think the Browns respond off that loss and again, they should have won. And, uh, I think that their defense, uh, continues its dominant ways and they, they get this win at home.
1: Okay. You're a Ravens guy, but you like the Colts as of right now, you know, Richardson hasn't passed the concussion protocol. He's played two games moving around. He, he looks fantastic, you know, as a, as a runner, uh, but he's, he's taking a lot of shots. I take it you like him regardless who starts a quarterback with this big of a line. Yeah.
2: I I like, I'm assuming Minshew's going to start. Like, why? I mean, probably you're going to be cautious with Richardson. And from what I've read, he's going to be out. But if he does play, I don't mind it. He's looked better than I thought, but he's still limited as a pass. He hasn't attempted a pass that has gone more than uh, 20 yards downfield. So, like, there's just, there's nothing being attempted downfield when he's in the game uh yeah i'm a ravens fan i i just think you know in the nfl when i'm trying to bet it's it's a lot of like when i used to work in the market you're trying to buy low sell high time the peak of teams and um buy the kind of the dip on certain teams in the market and the ravens have looked really good the Jackson asking the ball out super quick this year under todd munkin his passing numbers are looking better but this ravens team they in week one, they're two and zero. They've covered both games. In week one, they beat a rookie quarterback on the road who was playing without his entire offensive line that they just pieced together. Uh, you know, basically the week of the game. And then last week, they go to Cincinnati and win. But Burrow is just the, he can't really throw the ball. Shell um, himself, yeah. Shell himself. So like those two wins are not as impressive. And I'm reason, as they as they looked on paper. So I think you're getting an inflated number. Look, and now you're coming back off that. Since you win, you got Cleveland next week. A little bit of a sleepy spot could be some big weather here, winds, and so this could be an ugly game. But Minshew could actually be like an upgrade from uh, a downfield passing perspective. And the most important thing here is, I, and I've liked the, the Colts offensive line, which has been really bad the past couple years. They've been good this year. The Colts defensive line has looked really good, and that's important because the Ravens are still probably going to be without their starting center, their starting left tackle. Dobbins is out. Um, Beckham is probably going to be out on the defensive side of the ball. They last week, they lost their slot. They lost Owe, one of their better pass rushers. Bowser's on IR Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey. I, this seems down 10, 11 starters able to get away with it against a rookie quarterback in the offensive line, able to get away with it with Burrow yeah, firing balls into the ground. Um, so, but you know, this week with a capable quarterback in Minshew team with pretty good lines on, but in the trenches on both sides throwing some weather, uh, I, I think getting over a touchdown here, it's a, it's a good spot to sell the Ravens, who are just so banged up. That's all anyone would be talking about if they just didn't find a way to go 2-0 and just because other circumstances kind of broke their way.
1: Okay, Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas. And I take it you like the Raiders more in this game because of what you think of the Steelers than what you think of the Raiders?
2: Yeah, well, th- there's in travel spots, you used to be able to, like you know, 20 years ago, you used to be able to fade teams that went from the West Coast to the East Coast, but that's all been like priced into the market and adjusted. One of the few travel situations that I still think does matter is teams going from the East Coast to the West Coast, uh, on a short week and, um, playing in prime time. It's, it throws off their body clock and the travel in the short week up to the Steelers at the do year off of a big win. Teams in that situation are for what it's worth. They're eight and 16 against the spread over the past 20 years, but anything under a field guide like the Raiders here, uh, I do not like what I came into the season not liking what I've seen from Kenny Pickett. I'm not a Matt Canada guy. The play calling's been awful. They also have some key injuries. Um, you had Deontay Johnson going IR. Hayward in the middle is so big. If you look at their number, their run defense numbers, and we'll see if Josh Jacobs can actually run forward this week, but their run defense numbers are so bad when he's not on the field. You saw it last week. Didn't matter what back was in there for Cleveland. Run wherever you wanted to go, just up and down the field. And I think the Raiders can do that here. Um, the Raiders defense isn't any good. Um, but I I just don't trust Kenny Pickett, the play calling, this offensive line, Najee Harris, like Pickens, but that that's about it. So this team going on the road after a big win, kind kind of a sleepy spot. The Raiders, they got smacked as I expected them to do uh in Buffalo, but this is more their speed, and this is more the game that Jimmy G can win. And, you know, teams are coming down and loading the box. And Darren, Jimmy G, to beat him with his arm. You saw some of that at San Fran. That's part of the reason. Jacobs, I think, is a little out of shape, too. But part of the reason why Jacobs hasn't gotten going. I still think he'll be able to get go- get going a little bit here. And I think Jimmy G can attack the secondary, which I'm not very fond of. Might be without Minka Fitzpatrick as well. So I think Adams will have a big day. I think this is a good spot to back the Raiders to bounce back at home. Yeah, I mean, I love Tomlin. You got to love their edge rushers. They who knows they could make they could score another touchdown and they'll then they'll probably win this game, but outside of that, it I'm just not a picket guy until he proves to me otherwise, and the play calling certainly isn't helping him either.
1: What's funny is a Steeler fan texted me the other night, he said, Defense 14 points, offense 12 points. I mean, it's it took two scores from both those two guys. And just dominate. I mean, and they, barely I, held on. I, I, I liked touchdowns. him. I liked him coming in. I drank the Kool Aid. I let the preseason influence me, and I, I, I regret that one because that this is a team that looks like they're going to struggle
2: to get to nine wins. Yep. Yeah. Tomlin Tom will steal a couple wins in like the in like yeah. hype spots, and the defense will come out and make a couple plays. Um, but Hayward's a big loss, and especially for Fitzpatrick, he's really like the. One of the only guys you would trust back there. We'll see. He just got he got out of the hospital the other day with a chest injury. So um, yeah, the, this this Steelers offense. I, I also think they're not doing any favors. I mean, look, losing Johnson, they didn't draft the right running back. The offensive line still isn't great. So Pickett's not in the best situation. And then the play calling from Matt Canada, who just runs uh, such an outdated offense. There's like no play action. Um, there's a lack of motion. All of these things that you know have been born from the Shannon entry That every successful offense is utilizing not the Steelers
1: the game I have circled before we get out of here is Seattle minus six at home against Carolina I mean I think Carolina is really really bad Uh, I went for a walk when it was 20 to 9 because the other game was at halftime and I came back and somehow it was 2017 I rewatched the drive I mean they they hit like a fourth down play obviously the two-point play was kind of lucky I mean I I, I'm just not buying into Carolina. I actually think rewatching week one, the Seattle Rams game, that Geno wasn't as bad as his numbers. And then obviously week two, I thought Geno looked pretty good. They clearly have a lot of offensive firepower. Now Seattle's defense isn't exactly, you know, 2014 version. So that, that, you know, when you, when you're giving up basically almost a touchdown, makes a little, but I think that place is going to be loud. You know, I think getting a win like that kind of re-energizes the fan base. Uh, they made the playoffs last year, so it's like people are into it. So that I don't know if it'll ever be what it was, but I, I think that's a tough spot for yeah, a still one of the bigger I, I, better I, love field Se- I love Seattle minus six this week.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have a really strong field there. I, I have a lot of respect for um I, I mentioned him earlier, Ivo, the defensive coordinator for Carolina, who was previously he, no, Denver. he's good. He's, he's good. He can scheme up a lot of confusing looks and maybe force Gino into a mistake or two here because Carolina games are going to be ugly. I mean, you saw that last week that they, they should ban, ban, the, ban them and the Jets and uh, from primetime, but um, the, yeah, I, I don't have a strong feel, but it's hard to back Carolina right now. I will tell you that it'll be a game where we will learn a lot about Bryce young uh, because you're going up against defense. That isn't great. And it's a defense that doesn't generate a ton of pressure. So, you know, and, he's a bit undersized and a but, bit. You know, yeah. So, but now, so he, if he's going to be in a pocket undersized, right on the road, he's got two starts under his belt. Now, um, in theory, he should feel a little bit more comfortable. What will he look like? Will he look poised? Will he hit the throws? Cause he shouldn't be under much pressure. So, uh, I don't know if I'll get, I probably won't have a, a bet there, but I will be watching young. Cause I think it's a, a game where you'll learn a lot. Um, and you can, probably take something from that and be like no this isn't it or okay I can kind of see it working so I'll definitely be watching it closely um don't don't mind your side but I'll probably be on the sidelines
1: when I was looking at the board I you know I, it's hard to miss the chargers you know getting a point on the road at Minnesota But you're like how the hell am I gonna trust this team and this coach right now you can't you can't. That, that games to stay away to me. But it, you're tempted. You're like, God, Justin Herbert, the offense. Be
2: like, no fucking way. Just, uh, I mean, if if anyone out there's live bets, just live bet the team that's down like 14 at one point because they'll probably come back and win. Yeah, this is the <laughs> yeah. team. This is the Vikings regression monster is out for revenge. Like last year, they got every bounce, won every close game, and they weren't that good and won 13 games. This year, they've been playing better. They should have beat the Bucks. Arguably, they could should have beat the Eagles. I, I think they've they've lost like eight fumbles or negative not i mean every bounce is going against them um and all that regression that was due is hitting them now so you have this team that is all the regression is hitting versus a team that finds ways to lose so like regression gods versus finds ways to lose i don't know uh it should be a fun watch there should be a lot of points um and the the most disappointing thing is Brandon Staley. So like he has his, his issues with his head coaching, but his specialty is defense. And this defense right now, if you go by a couple, um, advanced metric sites, dead last in the NFL, dead last. And, you know, it's not the best defensive unit as far as talent's concerned, but there's some talented yeah. guys. It ain't the worst. on the defense. Um, it should not be anywhere close to the worst. And this is supposed to be, you know, his forte. And that was my, you know, at least, uh, I would always, you know, say Staley has all these shortcomings, but he he can scheme defense. Uh, he's not even doing that anymore. So yeah, I have no idea on this game. Um, just if whoever's down, live bet them, and then when they go up, live bet the other team. It's probably gonna be probably good. Try to go to overtime. Maybe bet overtime, yes. But that one should be a fun watch. I have no idea what's gonna happen in that.
1: Game. I think if Staley loses. There's a chance that he's Gonzo come Monday morning because they need a spark. They they wouldn't write off the season just yet. Maybe they give basically Kellen Moore, a, whatever, a 14 game interview. Essentially, that that's my that's my prediction. I, I could see it. Uh, yeah, no, I'm yeah, not I mean, predicting go... them to lose. I, I I got no clue what's going to happen. Wouldn't shock me either way. I mean, I could see Cousins throwing four touchdowns. I could also see the Chargers beating them by two touchdowns. Yeah, you know? it's, it's hard to. Yeah, it's this This game's probably the biggest wild card of the weekend.
2: Yeah, uh, I I will say that the. If you look at if you start zero and three, yeah. If you don't get a spark in the AFC, it it starts to get ugly and scary quick. And I mean, zero and three. I think teams that start zero and three, I think two percent have made the playoffs over the past ten years. And then you're you know you have all the teams in the AFC North, and someone from the AFC South is going to make it. And then you look at the either the Chiefs, well, the, do- the
1: Dolphins, and the the Dolphins Dolphins, and Bills, Bills are in. the
2: Chiefs are in. Yeah, yeah. You're probably gonna have Ravens, Browns. We'll see where the the Bengals go. But you look at the Chiefs, the Chiefs schedule coming up: Bears, Jets, Vikings, Broncos, and then home against the Chargers. Broncos again. Hey, they don't. They don't. The only team they play with a win over the next eight weeks. Uh, is the Jets who no no longer have a quarterback? Um, so the Chiefs are about to Stucky, they might clinch by Halloween. Yeah, yeah they're they're about to to run out here on uh, on the division. So you go zero and three and you don't get a spark, it, it's over and then it gets real ugly. Okay, Stucky,
1: uh, let's let's have a weekend. Let's sa- Saturday's should be a special day and hopefully that's why you know Steve Jobs made iPhones so I could watch football in the bathroom when Absolutely. you know people are getting married.
2: So take it easy, bro. Talk to you soon. Yeah, FaceTime me if you need me to, like, put my phone up towards the TV or something during the wedding. I'll I'll
1: (laughs) hook you up. I will. All right, brother. Thanks, man. See ya.
0: The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card,
1: but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person Anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases that's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargocom slash activecash.